Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is our executive producer and co-host, Steve Conover. Over the next two weeks, we're going to be focusing on righteous Gentiles, Gentiles who helped save Jewish people from the Holocaust. And Steve, recently you had a chance to speak to Cheryl Buxamusa, who portrays Corey Ten Boom, a Dutch watchmaker and Christian who, along with her family, helped many Jewish people escape the Nazi Holocaust. Yeah, Chris, a while back, Cheryl came to the Friends of Israel to speak to our headquarters staff, and I had a chance to sit down with her. And what's interesting about her story is she knew Corey Ten Boom personally. So stick around to hear my conversation with Cheryl Buxamusa. And also later on in the program, I'm going to share with you a story of Helena, one of our Friends of Israel workers who is currently ministering in Poland. Helena has an amazing testimony of how she stood up against the evils of the Nazi regime. But first, the news. The Trump administration reimposed strict sanctions on Iran following President Obama's failed Iran deal. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu responded to President Trump's actions by saying, This symbolizes the determination to curb Iran's regional aggression and its ongoing plans to arm itself with nuclear weapons. Well, here's my take. President Trump's sanctions could have a profound effect on forcing Iran to change since Iran's economy is already crumbling. Also, Iranian citizens themselves want change. They know that the regime that governs them is corrupt. Recent economic protesters in Iran shouted death to Palestine instead of their usual mantra, death to Israel, because they know that their money is going to fund terrorism and not their own people, the Iranian people. Trump's new sanctions could be the beginning of the downfall of the Iranian regime. Recently, Cheryl Buxamusa gave a presentation to our staff on Corey Ten Boom. Cheryl's portrayal of the Dutch Holocaust survivor has been performed throughout the United States, Canada, and the Netherlands. It's my joy to have a few minutes now to talk with her about the influence Corey Ten Boom had on her life. Cheryl, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. Cheryl, the Friends of Israel had a personal connection to Corey through our first executive director, Victor Buxbazen, and you had a personal connection to her as well. Tell us about your time with her, and how did you two come to meet? Well, uh, I was living in the Netherlands, and actually I moved there in 1968. Um, I went there for the first time with Youth for Christ. I was on a Youth for Christ teen team. Mm. And I ended up staying there and working with Youth for Christ in the coffee houses, coffee bars, we called them. And uh, I I read the book uh, about Brother Andrew, actually. I know that book. And um, I said to my husband at the time, um, how about we make a trip? Because it was all young couples going on these trips behind the Iron Curtain, as we called it in those days. And so we drove out there and began to make trips. Little did I know that Corey Ten Boom also made these trips. And uh, one weekend they had a retreat and her friend, her not just friend, but it was her um, kind of nurse slash companion, Ellen de Crohn. And I began to tell her about a problem that I had. And um, I had um, been a passenger in like four car accidents within one month. Oh dear. And so it was really troubling me 
because I was so fearful to ride in a car anymore. So I just began to talk to Ellen about it. And she said, why don't you come home and talk with Tante Cory about it? So I stayed over and met her, and I just had the time of my life. And I poured out my problem to her. And, you know, she really helped me a lot and um, began to share. I didn't really know her that well. I mean, I knew of her. I had heard her speak. But this was very personal. And she really ministered to me as a young missionary, I guess you would call me. I was working in Christian coffee bars and doing work with Brother Andrew. And it was a terrible thing. I had to travel all the time, but I didn't dare to travel anymore. So Corey helped me a lot with that. And one of those neat stories that she told me, which I also told in my portrayal today, was that um, she was afraid of death. And so as a little girl, she talked to her papa and she said to him, Papa, um, you know what, I'm afraid to die. And And her father was so wise. And, you know, he gave his life for the Jewish people. But he was a wise man, and he said to Corey, you know, Corey, when Papa takes you on the train, um, when do I buy the ticket for you? Do I buy it for you two weeks in advance? And she said, oh, nay, Papa, because then I would lose my ticket for sure. And he said, so it is with the Lord, Corey. Um, He will give you the ticket on the day of the journey. And so if you're afraid, like of dying in a car accident, or you're afraid of losing someone that you love, you know, all of that fear ahead of time that you're contemplating something bad happening is really a waste of time. And um, she said, but you know, at that moment when you need the strength, if you have to go through that, um, you know, God will give you the strength. He'll give you the ticket for the journey. And it was little things like that, her little stories. And now when I portray her, I throw in those very same stories in my ministry that I'm doing. Cheryl, Corey's story has been told in movies, books, audio dramas. Why do you think her story is still relevant for us today, these many years later? That's a really good question. You know, I, I believe so strongly that it is very relevant. I just read this past week that there was um, a survey done amongst teenagers, young people, millennials, if you want to call them that, and only a third had ever heard of the Holocaust. They could not tell you what it was. And so I I really want to keep the story of the Holocaust alive. Um, There are so many who don't believe that it happened. And even though it didn't happen to me, I lived so many years in Holland and I had so many friends who were Corey Ten Boom's, who were just like Corey, who hid people in their house, who suffered. Uh, my own father-in-law hid in a closet during the war because they were capturing all young men and taking them, shipping them off to slave labor camps in Germany. And he had a family, so he would hide in his closet during the day and he would come out at night. and you know, his family could come and see him once in a while. But um, so I want to keep the story alive, not only the story of the Holocaust, but Corey's story, because I feel, you know, she's a she's a real woman of God who lived in my lifetime, in your lifetime. And, um, you know, I want to tell my kids, wow, she was really something. And we can be like her if we if we just believe we can. 
and that's what I want to do. Yeah, you mentioned keeping her story, her memory alive. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear more about that. How are you doing that? Well, um, I, you know, I ha- in my in my play, I I quote Cor- Corey when she said, you know, we began to save as many Jewish people as we could. We had not planned it, but God had planned it. And I feel with my story, what I do portraying her, uh, I had not planned it, but God had planned it, really. And my daughter was a, uh, had gone to Central College in Pella, Iowa. And after she graduated, she began working for the college in their PR department. And so she called me one day, I would say in January or so of 2002, and she asked me, she said, we're going to have a, a Holocaust Remembrance Week, and we're getting in an actor to portray Oscar Schindler, uh, you know, who also has a tree on the Avenue of the Righteous, which Corrie ten Boom also has, honored by Yad Vashem and so forth. But um, she said, Mom, I know you can play a Dutch accent. You can do, because actually I studied drama. I, I've been a theater and a music teacher for many years and I've done a lot of acting I've been in a lot of musicals and stuff and and so she knows I can act and she knows I can do a good Dutch accent <laughs> and she knows I knew Corey so she said mom I just think you'd be the perfect one and well would you just do it for the students but I will make sure you get a meeting in the evening with the parents and you can do it again and so I did, I did it in the daytime, and I practiced it. I got a tape. Actually, I got a, Corey w- appeared on um, Focus on the Family. I got it, in those days, those were cassette tapes. I typed it out, memorized it, and then it grew. Well, I, I just went, <clears throat> excuse me, to Central College for that one night. And, you know, little did I know the fire was going to hit the pan. And so people started coming up to me afterwards. And they go, oh, man, would you come to our church? Do you have a card? No, I don't have a card. <laughs> you know. So I would scribble my telephone number on a little piece of paper. And uh, someone asked me who was there that night if I'd go to Minneapolis. And in Minneapolis, there was someone from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then they called me up. And then it just went someone else in Beersford, South Dakota, and Iowa, and then it began to go to other states, you know, Minnesota, Michigan, I've uh, been in Ohio, and of course in Canada, and, and even all over the United States, really. It's just gone by word of mouth. How have Jewish audiences responded to your presentation? That's a really very interesting question. It is my desire to do this for a Jewish audience. I have really tried, and um I have a pastor friend who lives in Toledo, and he said, uh, we are going to invite the greater Toledo Jewish, uh, I don't know what you call it exactly, it's a, a conglomeration of synagogues, and we're, they're gonna come hear you. Do you care? I said, no, care? I would love that. And so they did come, and they were very receptive, very, and um, you know, and it was very interesting at that particular meeting. One person that really sticks out in my mind was a, Jew, a German lady who lived very close to Ravensbrück during the war. She was just a little girl and she was just sobbing because she said, it was so close to us and we did nothing. And so there's always seems like, you know, and I love it, you know, with the Jewish people, I love it because I love them just as Corey did. 
if one of our listeners is interested in having you come speak, I know you mentioned word of mouth, but if they want to get in touch with you, how could they find you now? Um, well, two ways. I'm I am actually on Facebook now, Dramatic Portrayal of Corey Ten Boom. If they type that in, if they happen to be on Facebook, um, and there I also publish anything I find about survivors uh, from the concentration camps, people that are still alive who are telling their story today. Just because I figure every time I do that, I sort of you know put a nail on the in the wall of there's another one there's another one mm-hmm. there's another one and this story isn't made up it's not made up by the jews or by anybody else mm-hmm. and um so that's one way and the other way is they could email me which is c stands for cheryl buxamusa b-u-x-a-m-u-s-a at att Net. If you missed that information, that will be in our show notes for this weekend's program, and you can find that at foiradio.org. Cheryl, thank you for spending time with us today. You're welcome. In 1939, the Nazis took control of Poland. A young Polish woman named Helena was faced with the decision to fall in line with the Nazi agenda or stand against evil. In the book Helena, Faith in the Fire, Dr. Elwood McQuaid writes of Helena Ostick's commitment to believing in the triumph of her cause regardless of personal cost. The essence of this book tells the story of an amazing individual who walks through the fires of Hitler's genocidal rampage and survives. In this book, those who resist evil had names that are really obscure to most of us here in the West, yet their courage is contagious, and it leaves a legacy of hope for us today. You can order your copy of Helena, Faith in the Fire by visiting foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Once again, that's 888-343-6940. Poland was a beautiful place that had stunning landscapes, scenic rivers, and quaint villages. But in 1939, Hitler had declared war on this idyllic country. When the news arrived in Warsaw of the coming storm that that would be coming from Germany, squads of Polish workers started digging trenches in strategic locations, hoping to protect the city from the massive Nazi onslaught. The Nazis considered the Polish people racially inferior, and so in their eyes, they were totally unfit to participate in Germany's thousand-year Third Reich. Hitler's plan was essentially to subject the Polish people to a brand of brutality unlike anything they've ever experienced. Hitler's plan also included the final solution to eradicate the world of the Jewish people. Helena was a Polish young woman who grew up in a home that had a Bible on every nightstand, and her parents revered its words which shared of God's love for Israel and the Jewish people. So Helena and her brother were taught to love the Jewish people, even though anti-Semitism, which is the hatred of the Jewish people, was rampant in Poland at that time. Helena and her mother escaped Warsaw as the Germans were advancing into Poland. Now worried about the children in her family who were scared of war, Helena built bomb shelters with the skills she had learned from the Polish Girl Guides, which is really similar to our Girl Scouts. Polish Girl Guides helped girls develop their character and talents, think critically, and work well with others so that they would eventually become mature 
and patriotic Polish citizens. When, when the Germans arrived in Poland, they outlawed guiding and scouts. But that didn't stop Helena from taking her guide skills to aid the Polish resistance army. In fact, the Polish girl guides became a key factor in fighting the Nazis. Their first aid skills were used in medical stations. They were trained to listen for enemy bombers and to identify the different types of aircrafts the Germans were using. They cared also for orphans and refugees, and they even smuggled in food and rescued Jewish children, taking them to homes that were provided by the resistance. You know that some say, were it not for the girl guides, it's doubtful the Polish resistance would have ever been successful as it was in obstructing the German forces in their aggression in Poland. Helena joined the Polish resistance against the Nazis by partnering with a group of girls who would be responsible to find and train volunteers to teach them basic nursing skills. This was an extremely dangerous task since anyone participating in resistance would be considered breaking a capital offense that would result in immediate execution if they were captured by the Nazis. So Helena was putting her life on the line. She knew it was either surrender to the Nazis and be forced into slave labor or die fighting against the evil that had overtaken her homeland and the Jewish people. Helena chose to resist the Nazis. By 1945, Helena had endured nearly six years of war and the death of her brother, transforming her from a bright 20-year-old who relished in every new experience possible into a battle-hardened young woman on the verge of mental and physical exhaustion. But it was her faith in Jesus Christ that carried her through the difficult times during the war. And it was this faith in the fire that would only make her more determined, more resolute to share the love of God to those in need of Christ and to teach about God's love for Israel and the Jewish people in communist Poland following the war. Helena would eventually come to serve with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry in Poland. And one of our current representatives in Poland, whose life was greatly impacted by Helena's ministry, said this about her. Helena spoke on topics of spiritual awakening, life, and the evangelistic mission in the world. Above all, she passionately spoke out about God's love to the Jewish nation. This discovery has changed the course of my life. Helena is now 99 years young and remains a blessing to the Polish people she has ministered to over the years. And that's why I want to encourage you to get the book, Helena, Faith in the Fire. It's all about this courageous young woman, a, a, a Deborah in, in, in modern times, who stood up against evil, stood up against the Nazi regime, fought back against, uh, against the persecution against the Jewish people, and on the other side of it all, shared her faith and made God's love of Israel and the Jewish people known. So be sure to get your copy of Helena, Faith in the Fire. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life and ministry of Holocaust survivor Svi Kalisher. Many school children in Israel have never heard of the Holocaust. So when Holocaust Memorial Day draws near, schools look for survivors to come tell what they experienced during World War II. So schools invite me to speak. Ordinarily, I cannot go to a school and speak of faith in Christ. But when they call me, 
I am free to speak about him in whom I have believed. This is a wonderful opportunity to tell the children something they have never heard, the truth about our Savior Jesus Christ. Recently, when I was speaking at a school, the students asked how I came to believe as I do. After all, one said, we are Jewish. Yes, we are the chosen people of God. I explained it is our obligation before God to tell people the truth. But you speak about another faith, a student said. So I ask, to whom was the Holy Bible given? To the people of Israel, they all declared. Yes, I said. And as his chosen people, do we have the right to choose which parts of the Bible are good to read and which are not? Do the rabbis have a right to say which chapters of the Bible are kosher and which are not? This is strange. We have never heard anyone speak as you do. Then they all wanted to know which chapter of the Bible the rabbis claim should not be read. I replied, Have you read Isaiah chapter 53? Have your teachers ever spoken to you about this chapter? The students all agreed they had not read Isaiah 53. I told them, I will read it for you, or you may read it and I will listen. After, we will have time for questions to see if we can determine why the rabbis do not teach you the truth about what is written here. So the students took turns reading. Afterward, one asked, Why is this such a secret? The Bible, I said, was written by the Holy Spirit of God. No one has the right to erase anything from this holy book, not even a single letter. Do you see what they have done? They do not want the chosen people of God to know the truth and to know what great things God has done for us. But as you know, it is hard to fight against the truth, especially against what was written by the Holy Spirit of God. The students then started asking me questions such as, Are you one of us? Are you an Israeli? Oh, I am surely an Israeli, and I believe all that is written in the Bible. And if that is not enough for you, I have fought in every war beginning with the War of Independence in 1948 through the Yom Kippur War in 1973. The ultra-Orthodox do not serve in the Israeli army. The students continued to ask good questions, and slowly we came to the subject of how to place your faith in the Lord. At the end of the class, they said this was the most interesting lesson they ever had, and one they will never forget. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. I want to thank Cheryl Baksamusa again for joining us 
Also, I want to remind you to purchase your copy of Helena, Faith in the Fire. Go to foiradio.org or call our listener line at 888-343-6940. We'll give you that information again. Finally, be sure to join us next week. We're going to continue our discussion on Righteous Gentiles, where we'll hear from Susan Kokanen, Director of Christian Friends of Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Memorial in Israel. The Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry has been sharing the love of the Messiah and supporting Israel and the Jewish people since 1938. If you feel led to support our work or you simply want to reach out to us, visit foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org. Or you can call our listener line at 888-343-6940. Again, that's 888-343-6940. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallione, co-written by Sarah Fern, Mike Kellogg, Red Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.